This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth. So you really gonna let Isaiah Bradley get in your head? You gonna let him decide what you do next? Isaiah's been to hell and back. If I was in his shoes, I'd probably feel the exact same way. But what would be the point of all the pain and sacrifice if I wasn't willing to stand up and keep fighting? Welcome back, fellow defenders, to the penultimate episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode five, Truth. This is the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this shield passing, baton passing podcast, I'm Chris. Yes, many trees were hurt in the passing of the shield. <laughs> yes, they were. No, 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 they were covered. They were like, they at least put like, he had pillows of some kind on most of them. Bar the one that got Yeah, the like, one that got the, it in the neck. Got, like, yeah. got it in the like. Not even the neck. It was just like the side of the neck. It was like not exactly. fully embedded. It was kind of like... if if it all doesn't work out for Sam, he could be employed as a forester. Maybe. maybe. Yes. Clear felling and doing a few sort of tree surgery, precision tree surgery with the shield. Yeah, I presume the reason why they were covered in pillows afterwards was because of hitting that first tree as hard as he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah, we're back with the penultimate episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Only one more left after this. I know. Yeah. Nuts. And they put on the brakes. Way. It's like, yeah. It's like we've been racing for four episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know what? We're going we're going to take it easy. We're we're going to take it easy and tell you the truth. We need to tell the story. We need to need to slow down and tell the story of of yeah. what of what this series is all about. Really. And yeah. we need eighties montages. Oh, I love those. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a montage, montage, <laughs> montage indeed. But we are here for our spoiler-filled discussion of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode Five: Truth. So, if you want to subscribe, support us, uh, rate us, leave a review, please. Head on over to any flying or grounded podcast catcher of your choice. You can head over to tvpodcastindustries.com and you can join our podcast uh, and listen to our dulcet tones talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier over on the website. Uh, You can also support us by uh, heading on over to our Patreon site if you want to. And that is on patreon.com forward slash tvpodcastindustries. Any support is absolutely greatly received uh, and really, really appreciated Mm -hmm. because supporting the podcast, sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. Yes, because we, if you are not aware, we are currently just gone from three podcasts a week down to two. The boys have just finished or just recently finished their recent run of season two of Pennyworth. Yes, I do believe the ending was quote-unquote batty that was exactly my quote yes <laughs> <Mental>. yes 
Yes, it was. Yes. It was weird, wonderful, and crazy, as we expect from Bruno Heller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they pulled out all the stops to finish off season two. Don't know whether we're getting a season three of that show, but uh, really good fun to cover it. Uh, yeah, we've just got these two shows now for the next couple of weeks with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Invincible that myself and Chris are covering every week as well. Uh, for the next, I think, two weeks, uh, we have Invincible, one more week of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then we get into May, and we don't know exactly what we're covering uh, in May up until uh, the next Marvel release, which is uh, Loki is the next TV show that we know we're definitely covering. Uh, but we have a couple of options on the table for uh, for what we're covering in May. And we'll have a we'll have a think about which one we're going to be able to fit in, I think, is where, we're, where we are at the moment, right? Yes. It's going to be a May Day surprise. Although we may be heading to a galaxy far, far away, dare I say. Or could we be heading to a legacy of the astral Jupiter kind? <gasps> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's all... It's it, We don't know. We're, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. In, but in case you didn't get those references, fellow defenders, the two options that are on the table are <laughs> uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch, uh, the kind of follow-up series uh, for, to uh, the Clone Wars animated show, uh, or Jupiter's Legacy, the first of the Miller World shows that are going to be on Netflix. So uh, one comes out weekly, which is a big sway in my favour as to which one I mm-hmm. want to go for, and the other one is all dropped in one day which is the way I do not like to cover shows uh, on Netflix. But uh, we are going to make a decision in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got so much other stuff on that we haven't made a decision on which one we're covering. But what we are covering right now is Falcon of the Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth. Yes. Derek, what are some of the episode details for this Truth Okay. <laughs> well, the episode, once again, directed by Carrie Scoglund, who's been directing all the episodes so far. Yay. Really good touches in this episode. I think we'll talk about them as we go through uh, some of the moments and some of the scenes. Uh, some great shots in here um, and some really good dramatic moments between the characters. Uh, this episode was written by Delon Mousson. Uh, not many writing credits so far, although he does have a writing credit on the sequel to the Nazis on the Moon movie, Iron Sky. Uh, his sequel called Iron Sky, The Coming Race. Um, I have not seen The Coming Race. Uh, came out in 2019, uh, but that was a time when loads of movies were out. Now that I know it's there, I feel like I should see it. Was that Nazis on the Moon? It's so good. Na- no, 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 no. It's Nazis on the Moon. Oh. And this one has Nazis on the Moon riding Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, riding dinosaurs. <laughs> oh my Come on, god, how have I missed you- this? Sold. It is so good. It's so bad. It's so good. Okay. There's questions about a third one because so because you know it needs a trilogy. You know, absolutely. Just yeah. Nazis on the moon with spaceships and so so this is like Sharknado a bit basically. Not See, that bad. Mm, I think it's better. No, it Personally, I think it's better just because it's so cheesy. It's better. Iron Sky had a high production <laughs> budget in comparison to uh, to Sharknado. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a sci-fi channel exclusive. But John, do you want to tell us what Dylan Busan and Carrie Scalgan gave us with your synopsis for this episode? Sure. After the bloody events in Riga, the flag smashers have gone to ground, and Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes demand that John Walker hand over the shield. But he refuses, and in the ensuing fight, Walker damages Bucky's arm and breaks the Falcon's wings. They ultimately recover the shield as they rally to defeat John Walker, breaking his arm in the process. Given the seriousness of John Walker's actions and the continued threat from the Flag Smashers, the GRC take over the investigation, effectively benching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Bucky leaves Latvia to track down Baron Zemo, and he finds him in Sokovia, where he hands him over to the Durmelage to be imprisoned in the raft. Back in America, John Walker receives an other-than-honourable discharge and is stripped of his role as Captain America, 
After his court hearing, he is approached by a lady in purple, Countessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who encourages him to get in touch. Meanwhile, Sam returns to Baltimore to see Isaiah Bradley, to find answers to Bradley's history and to try and understand what went wrong. Bradley lays bare his trauma and the complex relationship he has to the symbol that is Captain America and the shield. Sam returns home where he helps Sarah to repair the family fishing boat, where he is joined by Bucky, who delivers a case from the Wakandans to Sam. What's in the case? Still trying to find a meaning to all these questions raised by Isaiah, Sam talks with both his sister and Bucky about Steve, Captain America, the shield, and what it means as a black man to be in that role, as he weighs up his options. Elsewhere, the Flag Smashers have resurfaced in New York, where, aided by Batroc, who was hired by Sharon Carter, they plan their attack on the GRC. Still reeling from his disciplinary hearing and his meeting with Lamar's parents, John Walker is constructing a new shield. In a post-credits scene, the first of this season as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. With one of his medals being welded onto it as well. Absolutely, It's going to be a blinged shield. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) I'm not too sure how much it's going to stand up against the vibranium uh, shield of Captain America. Yes, it's the bejazzled Captain America shield. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a very comprehensive um, synopsis there from you, John. It really uh, was. There's a lot in this. A lot in this. Um, And definitely one of those where it was like, you know, Ooh, they've kind of really pulled back. You know, I was kind of expecting them to kind of follow the flag smashers here mm-hmm. after the last episode and obviously the unfolding events with John Walker. But they really pulled back and brought it kind of quite intimate. Yeah. Um, and in the end, loved it. Loved yeah. that. Absolutely. Let's get into our bullet points for the episode. Because bullet point number one is... I'm Captain America, which is said repeatedly during this episode by Walker. Uh, you mentioned that, obviously, after the end of the last episode where uh, Walker has basically taken the head off of uh, one of the Flag Smashers, although we don't see that for definite, um, we see him on the run. That's where the episode kicks off. You're right, I did expect that we'd see maybe Carly and her reaction to this uh, as the opening moment of this episode, but having Walker running on his own, I thought was a really good opening shot uh, for for this episode. Uh, you just see his feet to begin with, and then it kind of pans back and you see him going into hiding, effectively. Unsurprisingly, uh, followed directly after by uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, directly into his location uh, to tell him it's time to give himself up. Um, we then get the big fight sequence for this episode, this great fight between this uh, fake Captain America or now former Captain America and uh, the, the two potential Captain Americas, let's say. Uh, I absolutely loved this fight. I thought it was so good seeing the the battle between a now super soldier version of Walker versus super soldier Bucky. And seeing how Falcon is able to handle handle himself pretty well in that fight, even though he's the only one of the three that isn't superpowered. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, you know, Sam as well, he, he looks pretty beat up. I thought Anthony Mackie, actually, there was a real scene where uh, I think he's just taken down Walker after the big fight. Yes. The, a really great uh, close-in shot of his face. And, you know, he's kind of, he's both, like, kind of processing 
the the fight that he's just had, but mm-hmm. also he's got the shield and he was kind of going, you know, putting his hand through the the blood of it and sort of the I guess the the shock of what that shield has done in yeah. the hands of John Walker. And uh, I thought Anthony Mackie played that really really brilliantly but um coming back to the fight yeah uh walker certainly likes to go for the head i guess that must be his military training um you know headshots do the headshots yeah um, but uh genuinely this is that's my only complaint about this scene it feels like he was reeling from what he did by killing one of the flag smashers with the shield and then he seems to go for it almost automatically in both bucky and, and sam and it kind of felt a bit weird it kind of like you know my reaction to doing this horrible thing that I just did is to do it again with somebody else. I don't know. It, it just felt a bit odd, but I did love the fight. Uh, an interesting thing with Bucky uh, being taken out by electricity through the arm, I'd also go back to the Wakandans and see if they could get um, maybe a non-conductive material <laughs> uh, added to his arm. I didn't think that was possible, that uh, electricity could not come out um, and be conducted through his metal. So, I okay, jumping very quickly in here. First, that trying to wipe the blood away, the stain on the shield. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so really just, good. That for me is writing and directing just chef's kiss. Like that is beautiful. It was just, I was like, the poetry there, amazing. Yeah. Now the fight. They need to decide the power level of Bucky and super soldiers. And they just, they need to figure this out because they have them running at like locomotive speeds uh-huh. in some and then in others they're running at pretty much the same speed but they're not going as fast their the actual strength is up and down mm-hmm. like jumping like and i don't mean i know you could say well they're not like trying to really land their punch no no in this in the, you can assume in this like everyone is like at 100% like to a degree, everyone's fighting with all their strength and might to take the shield back or to keep their shield. Mm. Like beautifully shot, amazing choreography. I thought it was that he, when he, Bucky was thrown, his arm was short circuited because it was smashed against. Yeah, versus that's what actually, I thought. To be so versus actually hitting okay. something electrical. But I could have again, misread that. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's just this. I I think. They need to actually sit down because it is. We now have multiple super soldiers yeah. of varying degrees, and I suppose you can say like Carly and John Walker are power level X because they come from Super Soldier Serum X yeah. versus Cap uh, comes from Y, and Bucky is from Z, and then Falcon is just essentially D because he's D powered. He's not. He's not powered at all. He's human. He's hate. Exactly. Exactly. They just, they need to decide, like, essentially what I want is an encyclopedia. Remember those Marvel <laughs> encyclopedias where you actually had the one to five, one to ten level of power oh, levels absolutely. and strength levels? So they just need that because that's going to then direct these fight scenes going forward. <laughs> It's interesting that you mentioned that, Chris, because the handbook to the Marvel Universe has just been repackaged and re-released this week, so that is available. <laughs> you will see that. Uh, I, and does it have the top trump cards with the power levels of these people? Because, <laughs> really I, I mean, like, I'm not as... 
I, I think I know what you're saying, Chris. Definitely. Uh, I kind of felt that Walker and Bucky were fairly evenly matched. Yeah. And I guess it's just in the heat of the fight as to maybe, you know, a lucky punch. There's still that element there. Even if they are super soldiers, they're not as such perfect. Um, yeah. So, and then, but I, again, I like how they treat Sam here yeah. with using you know his wings to protect him from the shield the the use of the jetpack on his back i love um, that you can hear that in some of the movies you know, as well it's really cool um, and i must say like seeing the sort of as you say short-circuited arm i thought that was damaged um or even broken uh with, for bucky but to see then um the broken arm of of walker guy i really felt that i have to say Absolutely. as you know effectively a jetpack is pulling on his arm against the the shield yeah. um and that the the snap there uh, i thought that was um yeah i i felt that i have to say yeah, yeah absolutely i think the difference between the power levels between the two uh, guys here between um bucky and uh, john walker is just simply training with the powers remember walker is a really highly skilled professional but he's only had the powers for a day um whereas bucky has had them for most of his life, effectively. So I think that's the only difference between the two. Bucky is very powerful. He's holding back because he doesn't want to kill anybody. Uh, Walker is trying to kill somebody, but doesn't have the training with those powers. I think that's all the difference is. But it does lead to the capture of Walker and his disciplinary action, effectively, with uh, with the army. Now, I will say I love how this show is written because it does have moments here where you're going, yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, what they're doing to Walker here. You know, what he's done is really bad, but to be effectively disavowed in front of the American population and told he's no longer going to get any benefits at all, he's out, he's getting a less than honorable discharge, uh, all of his, everything that he's done up to this time is meaningless effectively and he's being thrown to the curb is really harsh for the character after everything that he's done. You know, we had that, he has that conversation in the fight from Sam. If he gives himself up now, they may take um, his record into account effectively. They say that they do take that into account and that's why he's not going to prison. But that's kind of it. Yeah. So they, so I, 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 I would love one of our fellow defenders who is an American who has been in the special forces or the army or something to tell me what the difference between honorable, dishonorable and less than honorable. So is it like, is it just because my, you always hear dishonorable discharge. Yeah, it's the way it's recorded in their record. A dishonorable discharge will be seen by anybody that sees their service record as being mm-hmm. they did something dishonorable. An honorable okay. discharge is being allowed to go back to normal life with everything that you've that you've built up. It's what most most people who leave the army get. Yeah, uh, a less than honorable discharge would be the gray area where uh, we're not going to mention what the reason is, and we're not going to um, we're not going to talk about it. But it's not an honorable dis- discharge. You can walk away now, and we're we're cutting ties with you effectively. Yeah. See, that was the bit I just didn't because, like, Google John Walker now. Yeah. And you're going to see what he did. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like less than honorable. And they, but they're essentially, yeah, as you said, the cutting ties. They say he's not getting his pension. He's not getting any of that. I wonder, are they trying to set up this? Um, like he's going to be seen by some people as have done the right thing. So you're going to have this following for potentially the US agent mm-hmm. who is going to be his own Captain America. And it will be Captain America versus not my Captain America. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are they trying to set that kind of yeah, split? Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Absolutely. Like um, we mentioned before, the news radio is talking about uh, the Flag Smashers as being terrorists. 
the action that he's done, even though it was in the middle of a street, he's killed a terrorist effectively, yeah. according mm-hmm. to the news. So it's absolutely possible that he could still rally support for his Captain America. That is his final moment in the courtroom is effectively him saying, I'm Captain America. And yeah. the senator going, no, you're not, not anymore. And he walks out believing he's still Captain America because he's, yeah. he's been chosen and he's yeah. done all the work to get himself there. Yeah. Like I, I thought this episode actually was really excellent with Mm -hmm. uh, John Walker. I think it really added a character depth to him because, I mean, look, you know, as as a starting point, what he did to the Flag Smasher Nico, awful. The the fight between him, Bucky, and uh, and Sam, especially given, you know, he was so quick to try and strangle Sam and smash the shield into his head. You know, that whole thing that Lamar says and that Erskine said about it highlighting your innate sort of maybe moral compass mm. and, and code and emphasizing who you truly are. You know, I guess having been a um, high-ranking uh, military soldier, um, there is that kind of violent element to him. Uh, the idea that, you know, once he's been given his mandate, he is free to operate in that. So he has quite a lot of um, self-agency about himself as to what he can do yeah. and also being asked to do all the stuff. And so that sits well with him. So he, mm-hmm. so all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, it is, it, it is not great. But you, I love the fact that through this episode, like at his court hearing, you, you have him challenging the senator around, you know, You've always given me my mandate. I've always followed it through. You trained me. This idea that, you know, um, that, that military agenda is to train people that kill, uh, and kill for various reasons. Um, and that's what he does extremely well. Yeah. Um, but then you have the moment with his wife where she says, you need to go and see Lamar's family. Mm-hmm. And then you mm. see that. Um, exchange. Yeah. I, I think it is just really, it adds so much depth that, you know, yes, he basically has lost, um, his cool, I guess, by taking the serum. It, you know, he's still also, it's very recently. So there's still a, a processing of how powerful he has become. Yeah. There's the weight of and responsibility of the role of Captain America that we saw him dealing with. And that doesn't justify what um he did to Nico mm-hmm. or how he responded after that with Bucky and Sam. You know, I mean he tore Sam's wings off as well. Yeah. Um you 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 see all of that. Um but at at the same time then you see a very different John Walker with his wife. Um and he follows up on his wife's suggestion as to what he should do, which mm-hmm. is to visit Lamar's family. And then you see that whole thing and I think that adds a real nice depth and complexity Absolutely. to this character, which I really kind of enjoyed. Um, as I say, it doesn't excuse his behavior, so to speak, you know, speaking like a school teacher, I guess. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, um, it, it's a really interesting framing for his character. Absolutely. And it's really um, engaging, I yeah. think. And has he convinced himself that he's in the right? I just want to ask that because of the scene with Lamar's family. He tells them that he killed the person who killed Lamar. He couldn't possibly let the person that killed their son live. And we know even from the conversation with Bucky uh, from the previous episodes, it's not Nico that killed Lamar. 
it was Carly that killed Lamar. Carly was let go. Carly got away effectively and Nico was killed in his place. Do you think he's convinced himself that he has done this correctly, that because this person, Nico, is in the organization, he's entirely responsible for Lamar's death as well? Because we hear throughout that fight with Sam and Bucky where he's saying, why are you making me do this? And they're not. They gave him an opportunity to go down without a fight effectively, to give them the shield, turn himself in. And he's the one that initiated the fight, yet he continually says, why are you making me do this throughout the fight? So is he completely convincing himself that he's in the right here? Yeah, I think it's the serum. I I do think this serum is flawed because there's a prevalence to violence. We see that with uh, Carly. We see that with John Walker. I think it will be played down to the the serum has... Exactly, he said it, it. It highlights the the the, the inner person, mm-hmm. the the flaws they have or the greatness yeah. they have. Yeah. I think what it will also do it it will they'll say that like it um, increases their rage, their like their metabolism, things like that. And I think that's what they'll hang the hand on. Which is he was a good he was a good soldier. He was a great soldier. He's been corrupted. Yeah, and I think to some extent it is also around a bit the ethics or or the you know responsibility of science in the Erskine who did it even though he was doing it for the military he was very conscious of the fact that who it should go to should be someone that actually in the end hadn't been in the military for very long that there was a um a genuine moral compass exactly. uh, that could distinguish between good and bad yeah. um you know non-violent violent means kind of thing yeah. and you know in the captain america first avenger you, it is you know juxtaposed against the the red skull and and i think here you know nagel is doing it for um power broker and it, you get the impression that the reason he's doing it is because a he's gone freelance and so there's a lot of money involved but b it is simply to create super soldiers that will work for the power broker yeah. and and be this kind of you know unbeatable um, security or personal security guards for the power broker or to carry out um his or her um actions you know in a criminal setting so Nate, you don't really get that sense. Nagel was just simply about copying it mm-hmm. and, in his view, enhancing it. But, you know, that interrogation in the shipping container, there was no kind of idea or mention from Nagel about him being conscious of who he would need to give this to. Absolutely it was not. up to the power broker. He was in it for the science to develop yeah. the, the super soldier serum to be used by somebody else. Absolutely. What's been enhanced as well with Walker and in the context of the show, of the show, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but what's really been enhanced with Walker is his entitlement. Um, he's an entitled white guy who believed he belongs with this shield because of the experience he's had, even though it's questioned, even though you know, Lamar told him, you, you deserve the shield because look, you got three medals for making great decisions when you're in the army. And he's going, that wasn't great decisions. That was a really bad day that I had, but I yeah. was rewarded for this. But he has this entitlement. He believes he's been given this title exactly like he should have been. That's the next level above becoming, I don't know, captain in the army or becoming some, some high level army officer. The next level he gets to is becoming Captain America, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, so because this is all ripped away from him, this is why he's having the, uh, going through the motions that he's going through, effectively, and the emotions yeah. that he's going through. Yeah. He then gets a call from 
well, let's talk about her. Uh, one of my favorite comic book characters coming to the screen for the first time, Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine in the comic books. Uh, correctly uh, in the Spanish uh, or Italian, I think, uh, origin. It's de la Fontaine, uh, but regularly called uh, Contessa Val- Valentina Allegra de Fontaine uh, in the comics as well. Uh, so people who uh, don't know Spanish or Italian. Um, but don't call her Val. But don't call her Val. I, 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 <laughs> I really like this. Julia Louis-Dreyfus coming in playing this role in a little more comedic than you would see in the comic books. Uh, the character's been around since 1967 so um i've been a big fan of her you guys who are regular listeners know that i'm an agents of shield uh hoarder of comic books i pretty much have every single issue this character has appeared in um and it's so interesting seeing her in here because she would generally be considered an agent of shield who worked v- very closely alongside nick fury uh her creation basically nick fury as agent of shield was effectively marvel comics version of james bond very simply that was that was what they wanted to do james bond was popular in the 60s they did this uh, Val's character in the comic books is a flip on all of the um, female uh, Bond conquests of Bond. So all the Bond girls, the flip on it being she's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., not an agent of another organization, and that she is a pretty much an equal of Nick Fury. She pretty much can go toe-to-toe with him. She has the same kind of fighting abilities. She's a very strong character, and she's also quite duplicitous in the comics. For years, she has been by his side, and there are flips in the comics where she's a double agent and sometimes even triple agent. Um, so I like how they've introduced her here. She's obviously not a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. because S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer exists, and she doesn't seem to have a connection with Nick. Although maybe, given that she has all of the knowledge that she has, this could be a connection to uh, to Nick Fury. Because he is still behind there. He is still out in the world and coming up in Secret War in the future. So um yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with this character in the future. It's a really interesting moment when she just walks in, tells Walker that she knows all about what's happening, and says the line to him, you taking the serum has made you valuable to a lot of people. Um, a yeah. possible connection nice. to uh, the kind of people who've been doing the experimentation on the serum to try and get uh, more super soldiers out there. Yeah, that, that, that was nice. I mean, I think Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine... Val, if you're nasty. Or Val um, is, you know, I, I love this because it was just purely from left field. Um, you know, wasn't expecting her to be coming up to Walker uh, in the corridor mm-hmm. though, whilst he's having that chat with his wife. So firstly, fantastic. Yep. Secondly, um, I just loved her swagger. Um, you know, the whole Val thing. Don't call me Val. Just keep it in your head. Um, I mm-hmm. get that it's a, a long name. Um, and I love just where she says, you know, um, the second best thing you ever did was take that serum. The first, the first best thing that you've ever done in your life. And then like just remembering that his wife is there other than, other than marrying that firecracker, um, is answering the phone mm-hmm. when I call. And I just love yeah. the swagger Absolutely. of her, uh, really, really good. And the fact that her business card is effectively uh, blank with one side black, one side white. Mm-hmm. Um, so just <laughs> class, uh, really enjoyed this little cameo coming Absolutely. in. This is the second time we've seen her though on screen because she was in, go on. She, she was, uh, of course, included in the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie uh, back uh, many, many years ago. But outside of the yes. MCU, this is her first appearance in the MCU. Yeah. True. It's her first appearance in the MCU. It was just, I had to get the Nick Fury film, made for TV film, mm-hmm. in there because she was played by Lisa Rina. That's right. From Days of Our yeah. Lives. Yeah. Like, well, back in the day, yeah. like, one of the biggest soap stars of all time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Absolutely, and the character they are treated very like uh, just a main agent of Shield, very much like second in command to Nick Fury, much much like yeah. Maria Hill uh, is now in yeah. uh, in the MCU, and that would very much have been the character for forty years of her comic book appearances. She would very much have been the second in command to Nick Fury, very close, very much in the core five group uh, alongside Dum Dum Duggan and Gabe Jones uh, as as one of the main characters that we'd see, uh, and Jimmy Woo, of course, we've mentioned him before as a member of Shield. So uh, those characters all work together in the comic books there was a big flip to the character uh, after 40 years in comic comic books in secret warriors by uh, by jonathan hickman that's the one you're probably seeing from the internet commenters out there saying <laughs> that the character is madam hydra in the comic books there have been multiple madam madam hydras in the comic books she took on the madam hydra persona to uh, flip shield and hydra against each other for her organization, which is known as Leviathan in the comic books. So uh, she played the role of Madame Hydra once, but she's not. Uh, I, w- I would never consider her as a Madame Hydra. Person. Yes, the Madame Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. She's not the exactly. Madame Hydra. Yeah. She was a Madame Hydra. She took, yeah. she took out the persona to play both sides against each other. That's why I wouldn't consider her to be yes, a Madame Hydra. fellow defenders, don't mention Madame Hydra. Oh, I do. Um, I did, and then got sort of told off uh, about No, you, got, you just got a 20-minute lecture. I did. I got the whole lecture. history, and I was like, oh, yes, I didn't read those two issues later on or something, that, <laughs> where she suddenly wasn't Madame Hydra. It was just a, a, a ruse, and it was like... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Absolutely. <clears throat> I could, of course, record an entire podcast about uh, about the Contessa. Uh, I absolutely know her entire history. We're not going to do that. We're just going to close that off there. Uh, we'll come back to her if we do see um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus back uh, in a later episode. Uh, but it does lead to the closing scene, the post credit scene with Walker making his own Captain America shield because she does mention that she doesn't really care about the shield. The shield's a bit of a grey area, not really a government-owned product because it was made in the private world, made by... Tony Stark's dad, uh, Howard Stark, uh, for um, for Captain America back in World War II. So does it necessarily belong to the government or not? Um, I think it does. I don't think there's a grey area there at all. But I like that she's finding grey areas everywhere. Uh, but I'm wondering about this shield. I don't, I'm not too sure whether this will last very long in battle. It looks like he's making it out of regular <laughs> steel. So um, yeah, I can imagine it just sort of crumbling as soon as the vibranium one hits it or something yeah. like that. Or even throwing um, it at a tree, you know, I'd say it'll yeah. get a good old dent. It'll be kind of like a hubcap uh, throwing <laughs> throwing it, you know. But I do like the fact that effectively you know, he's doing Pimp My Shield and mm-hmm. with all the metals but, well, at least yeah. one of them being attached to it. I, yeah. I, I like his creativity Me here. Um, he's, he's effectively cosplaying as Captain America. Yeah, and it is kind of another little sort of, you know, end credit or mid-credit uh, montage of him sort of sort of getting hot, sweaty and oily yep. uh, metalworking um, and putting on his bling. Anybody getting any uh, flashbacks to Tony Stark doing his uh, his montages of building his Iron Man suit in the past? <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah they, 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 they're, they're laying it on thick. Uh, not, not in a bad way. I, I, I Honestly, it's... They are setting up John Walker to be this... They're making him villainous. He's lying. He's well. In his he in his head he is correct. Absolutely, he is. But it's just they are actively they're 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 taking the story beats to make him duplicitous, to make him lie to Lamar's family, yeah. to to basically do the "I am the law, I am Captain America" <laughs> courtroom, like the the. But then at the same time. They they need they need to pick and I I I 
mean this with the best respect. They need to pick a lane with this character. Oh, okay. Because I, I just think, I think they that, have. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, they had him with his loving wife beside yeah, him. But people like, can do that. I mean, it's it's kind of the idea that stormtroopers may have a wife and family, uh, you know, back on their <laughs> own planet. It, it is the idea that, and even like in Agents of Shield, you know, the the main Hydra guy in, in command of that had. His family home, you know, had his has had his daughter yeah. um doing horse riding and all that kind of stuff. So it's like um John's having flashbacks I am the actually, shield all of a <laughs> I, 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 I think um you know, and I think the the complicated element is that he's come from a full military background. Yeah. Um yeah. he's he's had that. And it's very different from Steve Rogers. Oh, um, well, who effectively had just gotten his foot in the door and was a scrawny weed until yeah. he got that. Um, and had a very different perspective on on life because of being a scrawny weed. <laughs> you know, because of being bullied and he doesn't yeah, exactly. like bullies. That's absolutely his story. But weirdly, even though we've talked about that for over 30 minutes, the Walker storyline is actually the smallest part of this episode. Yep. So let's let's move on. Um, I'm One last thing I would say, I'm not sure whether Walker's actually going to survive this series. I think we have just one episode left with Wyatt Russell, he and he's done such a good job this season. Absolutely loved his role. He He will. He'll survive. They, they, they'll keep him around. So. He's the character um, I love to hate and have really enjoyed uh, Wyatt Russell's uh, turn on this show. Yeah, really absolutely. Good. Yeah. But let's get on to bullet point number two. Um, bullet point number two is Zemo being returned to the Dora Milaje. So um, this is another character who's been a big standout in the show, um, Baron Zemo. Uh, I love what Daniel Brühl has done with the character. Definitely his standout moment has been uh, the gif of him dancing. And uh, as we mentioned last week, it's, uh, it's certainly the big moment that took on the world, <laughs> effectively. Uh, but we have Bucky going to meet him at the Sokovian Memorial, uh, where he effectively laid the clue that he'd be waiting for Bucky. Mm. Um, and we get his final confirmation of that, or answer to the question, I guess, yeah. that Sam posed. Uh, would he kill every single super soldier out there. He says he wouldn't kill Bucky. He feels that Bucky's had enough of a change of heart. Uh, He's decided he's not going to kill him. And the response he gets from Bucky is um, the click of a gun (laughs) as Bucky (laughs) points his emptied weapon at him. But Zemo doesn't know that. Um, No, I I guess ultimately the answer to Zemo is, and I'm not going to kill you either, because he doesn't. I have changed. I have changed, exactly. Yes. Yes. Dare I say it, hammering home the the point. But uh, I love that we got the... The answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I kind of like this uncomfortable bromance. You know, it, it's it's another part of. You know, Bucky seems to be the center of the bromancing uh, oh, in, yeah. in this. You know that that lovely, sensitive kind of e- slightly emo-y um, kind of uh, bro, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I I, I kind of really liked it. I liked that he w- said he wasn't going to kill him. Um, however, the Dora Milaje wrecked wrecked me because I would love to have seen Bucky take on the White Wolf and really connect with the Dora Milaje. Uh, and unfortunately, Ao says to him, you know, that he needs to make himself scarce in Wakanda because yeah. I guess of his role in breaking out Zemo and at least harboring him yep. for eight hours. So, yeah. um, and I was like, Oh no, that just means the White Wolf Dormelage hookup that's going to happen, um, or should happen, or I want to happen, um, certainly isn't going to happen 
anytime soon. It's not on the board at the moment, Boo but it hoo. could be on the board for the Wakanda series, I still think. Exactly. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I think we may get so Sebastian Chan back for that. Yeah, he comes back to Wakanda and goes, hello, I'm back. <laughs> well, it's a, it, it, it was prudent for the White Wolf to make yeah, himself scarce exactly. in Wakanda for the moment. So not saying don't ever come back. Uh, That's the, the core that was yeah. it was for the moment. Unlike, for example, Ulysses Claw, who stole from the Wakandans and was barred from going anywhere near them for life. That was the the character arc of his character. He had made his way into Wakanda. Um, But he is being told, probably not a good idea. There's some very angry people in Wakanda right now about the fact that you released the person that killed their king um, and and worked with him for a while. So uh, very interesting. But I like that Zemo does drop a little bit of Zemo knowledge here. Um, he does still continue on his, uh, on his approach that super soldiers need to be killed and gives the, um, advice to Bucky that there is no stopping Carly. She has now been fully radicalized. Yeah. This is it. You have no option of talking her down anymore. It, she has to be killed or this will go on. Yeah. She needs to be put down. Yeah. Um, he says there's no course for redemption for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the interesting thing now. I'm I'm wondering with the uh, this plus the later discussions. I, I am. I think you you think John Walker's not going to survive this season. I think Carly's not going to survive. I oh, think John I, Walker survives. I think Carly is the gone. Oh, I'd agree. I'd agree. Carly's going. I think Walker's going too. I think I think yeah. we're going to lose both of them at the end of the season. Uh, we'll see. But I do also question whether that's the last time we see Baron Zemo. Um, he's he's off to the raft. I do mean la- last time we see him this season. He's been a real standout character, so I'm sure we're going to see Daniel Brühl back in the role again at some point in the future. I'm sure there's going to be a release from the raft coming, as they mention it again here. This is where all the supervillains are stored, uh, effectively. So uh, we absolutely should see uh, Zemo back again. But I wonder if he's not coming back for the final episode. He's done yeah. his part and his role in the story here. The Avengers got broken out of the raft, didn't they? They did, yep. Yeah, so, by Cap. I yeah. don't see why Baron Zemo can't. Exactly, exactly. But I just don't know whether we'll see Daniel Brühl in the final episode. I think we'll get a... a if anything, it will be the, the post-credits scene. Bucky goes to visit scene. him and say hello. <laughs> no, I think it will be uh, Miss Dreyfus yeah. herself, Maybe. the Countess of Val if you're nasty. Yeah, because she was in purple and... Uh, oh, it's Mephisto. He kind of comes up from below, <laughs> you know... <laughs> doesn't need a boat. Um, My favourite theory uh, that I heard from John after watching the episode was uh, Val has purple in her hair, Baron (laughs) Zemo wears a purple mask, Um, Agatha in in, uh, WandaVision had purple magic. Is is it just Agatha taking on these personas here? (laughs) Yes, purple has become the theme for, I guess, uh, bad people or, you know, questionable motives. Questionable, yes. Exactly. But speaking of boats, because John did mention the word boats, Let's move on to bullet point number three, which is we're going to have a fixing the boat montage. Oh, yeah, it's a montage <laughs> uh, because yeah, the boat means so much. Actually, no, I, I make light of this, but this is actually quite a nice moment. I really did actually enjoy this, which is basically they, we very simply it is in order to get this uh, for Sam to feel that his sister is cared for. They decide he's gonna fix this boat. He's gonna get it back up and running. And then there's no money. So he calls in the family favors because apparently the Wilsons have always been this helping hand. Mm-hmm. 
And all the community, like he, apparently the same way Sarah feeds these two random boys yeah. whose uh, father only gets up afternoon, which is AKA alcoholic. I like the way they called that out. Like without actually saying the word junk drink, 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 glug, glug. Yeah. They went, he only gets up afternoon and the kids go hungry. So the, I liked how they called that. And they basically say, yeah, the, this, the Wilsons always help people and they're able to call in some favors. Absolutely. Like it's an important theme in this show, really, isn't it? This, this concept of not being able to trust the establishment, not being able to yeah. trust the government, not being able to trust the banks, but who you can depend on are your neighbors. All you need to do is reach out and your community can help you. Like I think that's yeah. a really important part of the character of Sam. And, and it's really to do with Sarah not reaching out to other people for help, but helping yeah. everybody else who won't reach out for help. Um, whereas he gets the phone book, calls everybody and goes, do you remember me? Do you remember my, my, my family? Do you remember my sister? And everybody in the community comes out to help, uh, the Wilsons. I think it's a lovely part of the theme, uh, that we have yeah. this community working together. I think it's really good. Yeah. And another bit that works together. Bucky and Sarah. I, oh, yeah. I love this scene. The, the way the three ca- three actors here perform this scene where you have Bucky going, oh, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Uh, and then you have uh, Sarah getting all, all blushy when she when she gets uh, talked to from Bucky, as we all would. Uh, and then you get the reaction from Sam where he's just looking at his sister and looking at, uh, and looking at Bucky just going, what is going on here? This, this yeah. will not happen. <laughs> you know, and even calls it out to Bucky later on going, if you try anything on with my sister, you're going to be cut up and thrown in, and, and fed to the sharks, basically. Uh, yeah, really, really good fun. Yeah, no, th- this for me was the... It was the comedic fun that you need to bring them closer together, to a degree. It's like they're rebuilding their friendship, their partnership through this. They're healing, if you will. Um, And it was fun. I think that this is the bit that I don't know. I don't even know what would you call it. It's Yes, it is this fixing the boat montage, but it's very much it's putting... It's putting this chapter to bed, if you will. Yeah. It's essentially they're closing this chapter on Sam Wilson where he feels like he has to constantly look after everyone. He, but in this, he's able to look after everyone, not just as his old life as the Falcon, as Sam Wilson, as the person who disappeared is being put to bed, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Like he's resetting, isn't he? And I like the fact that. Yes, that's it. Thank you. And I like that he decides to do that around his family, you know, yeah. those closest to him. And I, I think um, it's great that Bucky shows up as well for that reason. Um, and I, I think this is, it's just really nice. Yeah, the montage stuff with the boat and because it, it, it connects into Bradley, um, Isaiah Bradley as well in terms of, you know, the initially it's all about selling it for doing it up so it can be sold because they've got, um, their, their financial issues. And and then there is that great conversation, I think, between, um, Sam and Sarah, uh, you know, as siblings, um, it, it felt really natural where, you know, Sam is thinking she felt this way because of, I guess, just that general sibling, you know, Oh, stupid. Get off my bed or, you know, whatever, slamming doors, you know, but actually she said, I never felt that you were running away from things, yeah. uh, going and being the Falcon. Um, you know, and she, I, I just like that kind of reset with their relationship as well. So, yeah. you know, he, he's, 
it all comes around to that, but it also is that Sam says in that moment about, you know, that boat is their history, their family history. Their legacy. And their legacy, <laughs> and that maybe we shouldn't be selling it. And it all connects in, I guess, with those themes uh, as well around Captain America and coming from the the whole uh, trip to, to Baltimore to, to visit Isaiah Bradley. And, you know, I think that, Moving on to bullet point four, it's mm-hmm. this whole idea of passing of the shield. You know, Sam is looking to understand Isaiah's point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy who has um, had significant trauma and um, through 30 years of experimentation, like he shows the scar. Oh, yeah. And um, that, that you can see affects um, uh, Sam, you know, but it, it's not just that experimentation. It's not just the fact that, you know, in saving people, this idea that, you know, these soldiers are classed as resources, as materials, yeah. not as people as as isaiah describes they were my brothers um, and mm. you know effectively doing the good thing like you would ex- like like you saw steve rogers do in the first avenger going off to rescue his his crew who had been taken by hydra and um, leads to very different outcomes and yeah. um, and it's exact it's exactly the same choice that he makes he goes exactly. against the instructions of his uh, higher ups and goes and saves his his men yeah. from being killed by a bomb attack on the POW camp that they're in. They didn't want their experiments to fall into the hands of the enemy, so they had decided they were going to blow up the POW camp, yeah. which makes Isaiah go in and, go in and save them. Um, exactly. And I, I think there's that trauma, but he has that personal trauma of effectively having lost his wife by by going into that program having all the photos all mm. the correspondence um taken from him and put into a box uh, as he says by this nurse who ultimately allows him to um escape and and disappear and, 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 disappear and yeah. be free um so it it's that personal trauma and then it's also all links into this complication of um how he as a black man connects with the iconography the symbolism of captain america um the shield the blonde haired blue eyes white soldier um and it was really really good one other massive distinction between the story of isaiah bradley and the story of steve rogers is steve rogers was fully prepared by erskine for what was going to happen to him isaiah bradley calls out that they were all given an injection and told it was tetanus yeah and then sent into battles with these new powers, some of them with no training, some of them with uh, no abilities, and they all started to die and just be left behind until it was just him. And then he was put in prison for 30 years, um, even though he followed pretty much the same path as Steve Rogers as a hero. So so a really, really different experience for these two different uh, different characters, these two different characters with the same powers. Um, yeah, Steve went behind enemy lines got Bucky and the rest of them from the POW count mm-hmm. in the first Avenger, came back to a hero's welcome. Yeah. Isaiah Bradley did the exact same thing, was put in prison for 30 years uh, and experimented on, and you see the scar on his side. Yeah. Like, they put a medal on Steve's chest, they put 
uh, they tore strips out of Isaiah Bradley. That's the hard pill to swallow in this. And it's the, the literally why they, not just because this is based on the, the comic book truth, that's why they called this episode truth. Exactly, exactly. Like, it's the truth of what it means to be African-American with powers in this universe. Well, absolutely. And, re- and remember, one other thing about the about that story of Captain America in the first Avenger going to save his his crew, the Helen Commandos uh, and Bucky, that, that one other thing about that is he wasn't Captain America. He was treated as a symbol for America to sell bonds in war yeah. until that point. We had the Tommy Lee Jones character saying he wasn't going to send him in to yeah. uh, to fight effectively. He was just a symbol. Um, Steve decided to do this against all uh, direction from everybody. He wasn't considered yeah. to be the greatest fighter that the American army had until he went in and did this. And afterwards, as you say, he got applauded for it and became the leader of the Helen Commandos, became the leader of the troop going in, taking out Hydra bases. So by him making that decision, it cemented him as Captain America, whereas Isaiah making the exact same decision gets him tested on for 30 years, makes him lose his wife. Um, We know the kid that's outside uh, playing basketball as uh, Sam walks up as his grandson. So he clearly had kids as well um, and lost his wife and never saw her again for those those 30 years. It's a a really horrible story. Uh, And of course, as the show has throughout, uh, speaking of the racism in America and the different treatment that a white person versus a black person will get in these situations. So really uh, good piece of writing in this episode. That writing is really punctuated with like... If you ain't bitter, you're blind mm-hmm. when it comes to that shield. Like, and that encapsulates that whole conversation. Absolutely. Like, and I was just like, at that point, I literally thought we were not going to get a Captain America. I literally thought they were going to retire the shield. Mm. And I did like this whole thing. And because I'm going to move it on now to the, the, the literal passing of the shield between Bucky and. Sam and okay. that discussion. I thought at that point they were going. I thought we were like Steve Rogers, like Chris Evans was going to be the last Captain America. I actually okay. did yeah. because I thought, what better way to say this world doesn't deserve a Captain America? That is the way I thought they were going to take this. Right, and I and I love that. That's not the way they went. I really do because exactly. it's really important for Sam to make his stamp on the world. It's really yes. important for his ideals to come out. You hear it in uh, Isaiah's conversation with him. I used to be just like you. I used to believe this world could accept someone like me as their Captain America, but no, they just want the blonde-haired, blue-eyed white guy. Uh, and if you don't see that, um, then you're blind, as you, as you say. Um, that's the whole conversation that's going on. But I love that the whole purpose of what's happening in Sam's head when he's considering everything, and even, even calls it out, I'm considering what I was told by Isaiah. I'm making my own decision from here on. His decision is similar to Steve's in a way, but his decision is what would be the point in all the pain that everybody went through if we just gave up and stopped fighting? Yeah. This world can change. We can continue to fight and get equality in the future because if we give up on trying to attain equality, of course we're never going to get it and we're always going to be in this position. I think that's really, really important for this show to make that as Sam's statement as to why he wants to become the the Captain America and why why he... why he should be the Captain America. It's a much more clear version of Steve's old line of, I could do this all day fighting bullies, which was his way of going. With Sam, it's, 
I am going to fight with every ounce of myself to make sure that we get the equality that we deserve uh, in this circumstance. I think it's really important. He's going to put in the work. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to quickly, let's discuss this passing of the shield. Literally the passing of the shield, because when we have Bucky and Sam together practicing and they're throwing the shield, punctuated by this discussion about Bucky healing and Sam taking on the shield and the mantle of like you get these two big moments and I did think like it it was very much set up and punctuated in the way that as they were passing the shield to one another that's I was like oh no so okay yes Sam's going to be Captain America oh no no Bucky's going to take on the mantle oh really oh no no yeah like that's how I saw it I I was the same as they were they were like, really? like yeah. Sam's like, I don't want it. I think there's one Bucky moment where Bucky takes the shield in on on his arm and holds it by his side, and I can't remember the exact dialogue, but I just suddenly was like, "Ooh, is this where yeah. Bucky's going to take it?" I and exa- then, yeah. then he passes it off again. I know exactly and, the scene you're talking um, about. It's it's, yeah. it's where he refers to the the bit of. Um, of history of the Marvel Universe that we didn't get in Endgame, uh, something that's always been a question for fans of uh, of of Bucky and Steve. Um, we always questioned whether Bucky had met Steve before old man Steve returns with the shield to give to Sam because Bucky nods when that moment happens in Endgame. Bucky kind of nods at Sam and says, yep. you go and take it. Uh, Bucky confirms here that he knows about Steve's plan. He knew, He had that conversation with Steve. They discussed it. Steve chose Sam. And he was fully aligned with the plan. And as you say, he's holding the shield at that moment and says, we could never have known what yeah. it would be for a black man to be Captain America. We're, re- he- we're both really sorry, effectively. Yeah. And to pick yeah. up that shield, exactly. Yeah. And it's the moment where he apologizes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's after that, after he's apologized and it's released again. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, it's back to Sam. And... Yeah, yeah, it's really nicely done. Um, absolutely love this. And I love that it, you know, it's, as Chris has said, it, it's mingled into, you know, if you want to heal, do the work. And, it, you know, that is relevant to, to Sam in a, in, in effect, in, in yep. terms of picking up this mantle. Okay. Um, but also to, you know, in that he's going to do the work and you yeah. see him, you know, with the training montage where he's stumbling, he's missing the catches, oh yeah, uh, and, and all that, and he, he's really putting in that work because that's his ethos, and um, and he also reflects that back to Bucky yeah. in the sense that you know you thought you were amending by going out and effectively dealing with the people that helped you as Winter Soldier, and um, but you weren't amending, you were avenging, and mm-hmm. actually it's the people like um, Yuri. And from episode two, uh, one or two, where it's like, you know, you need to make them feel better. It's not about making you feel better Mm -hmm. because otherwise you will continue to have these nightmares, these traumatic dreams. Um, And uh, I just really liked how this all kind of came together. Um, And I loved the moment just before where Bucky sees Sam's nephews playing and doing the role of um Captain America yeah. because they see that they can be, you know? Yeah. Um, and and they, touching, yeah, touching really the nice. shield, so emblematic. Yeah, really nice. Uh, absolutely. And that's kind of where the where those moments end. I love that it ends with Uncle Sam 
training effectively yeah. you know, with with his nephews watching on and, and then chasing the whole, him i love the fact that he yeah. goes go get him aj yeah uh, as he's doing circuits around the house i guess yeah exactly but that's the purpose of the choice that he's made as, as i said you know you could be you could go along the lines of isaiah and his experience tells him he's absolutely right there is no place in this world for a black captain america that his that is his decision and he will tell everybody that comes to him for any kind of guidance effectively no, there cannot be a black Captain America. But the decision that Sam has made is there can be for the future and it being punctuated with his nephews touching the shield and seeing that this could possibly be their future as well, I think is, is such, so, so well directed and so well written in the episode. Yeah. Really, really Chef's good. kiss. It, Chef's kiss, yeah, as Chris. It really and is. the internet it, says. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was so, like, I, I was in awe by the storytelling of this episode. Like, yeah. they just... The, the decision, the decisions they made of, I did not think they would do this. And I am so glad. Like, they literally took you to a point where you're like, Oh no, like, well, in my head, they took me to a point where like, we were not going to get Captain America. And then they were passing the shield back and forth. And I'm like, Oh no, they're going to like, Sam doesn't want it. He's going to like, I literally thought, Oh, maybe they're going to do this whole new thing where both of them are Captain America's, the captains mm-hmm. of America. Like, I thought they were going to potentially do that. Yeah. But to end with this... The, okay, the, the montage itself, I thought, was very 80s funny. I did, like, it went on just a bit too long. There was one or two many stumbles. And I thought it was just... It was funny overall. It was just, all right, this is how you're going to do it. Fine. Um, But just getting to that final shot of AJ the the two nephews touching the shield mm-hmm. like that is one there's a Twitter account called I think Marvel Perfect Shots or something there, yeah there's a few uh, uh, Perfect Shots accounts on yeah. Twitter I think there's one that does the MCU yeah yeah and it's just that for me that is just a beautiful shot and I can see I'm a cis Caucasian living in Ireland I don't understand the full struggles I can't I can relate and have empathy but I'm assuming for a whole generation of like having Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel as a female superhero and empowerment and that scene where she gets up in Captain Marvel but in this having a scene which we're going to see is because it ends this show ends with Sam opening the case to what is going to be his Captain America uniform taking that shield on like it's going to be that is like not just having the two kids touching the shield but having this symbol of Captain America you can be that person you can be a superhero you can be whatever like having that yeah just it's going to be so beautiful to see the world go crazy next Friday because you know we're going to see that. I, I love that Chris has just thrown in uh, the bombshell right in the middle of, of that here and that is the big question from yesterday because Sam opens that box like he's in Pulp Fiction and never sees what's oh, inside absolutely. the box. John was going crazy. John was going like Brad Pitt in Seven. He was like what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, it was so the big question. It was Pepper Potts' head. Oh, well, it? hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. That would have been an awful present. But uh, that, that is the thing that uh, Bucky asked the Dora Milaje. One favour he needs 
something from them. They deliver a box uh, from Wakanda. We don't see what's inside it. We know Sam's wings have been pulled off. Is it just new Wakandan wings? Or, as Chris is uh, intimating there, is this Bucky actually saying to the Dora Milaje, do you remember that time that we had Steve over and you guys built a shield for him? Well, the new Captain America is here and he needs a full suit yeah, from you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's the suit. I think we are all, we're all in agreement, yeah, but I know yeah. the internet is just wondering, is this um, vibranium wings for Sam? Is that all it is? Just replacing Falcon to become Falcon again with vibranium wings. But here in this episode, he's decided to become Captain America. And I think the anticipation of his decision is Bucky saying to him, I always knew you'd choose this path and yeah. I've gotten this captain america suit made for you by yeah by shuri effectively and then i wonder i mean as well because it is sam wilson you know his strength is as a pilot um as being able mm-hmm. to to be that erman um and so i'd love it if they combined wings I'm with sure captain america yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that would be awesome yeah and dare i say it just on a lighter note Wakandan wings must be the national airline carrier of Wakanda. <laughs> That's so much fun. I didn't think. Well done. <laughs> uh, um, it is. Go- it's going to be his costume from the comic books. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm pretty much. He'll have his wings, but it'll be red, white, and blue, and it'll carry his shield. And I think it's just going to be glorious will, seeing him step see onto him. a building yeah. next episode. Always really excited to see uh, what what Marvel in the MCU comes up with for their for their car- comic book characters. One final thing about this point, uh, I would love if every conversation in the MCU was punctuated by uh, two people throwing back and forth a shield against trees oh, and, and bouncing it like a frisbee. It's awesome. <laughs> Such a cool scene. Just. I like for just for me this uh, again. I, I I'm not going to blame it the point. It was just such an amazing conversation, direction, and the way they did it. Just the catches. It didn't look as fake as I thought it would. Because mm-hmm. you know sometimes like they they're not really throwing a shield in real life. Like yeah. so, I was like, because <laughs> if they were, they they'd be bruised a lot more. There was that one throw that I loved where he does it on the pier mm-hmm. and he chucks it yes. at one of the posts and it it looks so real because obviously when they're throwing it around like they do around the trees and like we saw with Steve Rogers, it's like this perfect flight and I love that it hits it and because of that hit, it it, it wobbles and re, recalibrates its return journey back to Sam, yeah. yeah, I was just like, oh, the the scientist in me was just like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that kind of leads us on to our last point. Let's close out point number four. That is the biggest point of the episode. Uh, for, even though we probably talked about Walker uh, way more than we thought we were going to, the biggest point of the episode is the passing of the shield and the creation of the new Captain America, uh, the acceptance of the new Captain America, let's say. Uh, bullet point number five is Batroc aligning himself with the Flag Smashers, kind of. Um, but one of the things that comes into this point is I th- think we've just found our power broker right um the big issue in the show is that they kept calling the power broker he uh from the beginning of the episodes but we have a phone call here from sharon carter uh who calls up batrock who has been released from an algerian prison uh after the uh, appearance of him in, in episode one when sam uh, effectively knocks all of his men out of uh, out of the helicopters uh batrock obviously captured after that and um Sharon Carter saying that she's the one that got him released from yeah. uh, from Algerian prison. Sounds like a big power broker move to me. Um, but then she seems to send him on to uh, to meet up with Carly, which is also yep. really unusual. So yeah. is she aligned with the Flag Smashers herself, as well as being aligned with the power brokers? Is, is Sharon Carter 
aligned with the Flag Smashers. Possibly, yeah. I mean, or, like, we we do get the sense of that it's killing two birds with one stone. You know, if um, the, the truck, it wants to go after the Falcon. And, she, I mean, mm-hmm. Sharon says, I'll give you double this time. Um, so, almost connecting the truck's actions in um, Algeria or Tunisia, I yeah. should say, um, or close to the Tunisian border, uh, with Sharon Carter yeah. as the power yeah. broker. And she's sending him against Sam, who she knows and has worked with. So it's real, like, kind of nefarious thing going on here with Sharon. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, I really want to see how this plays out oh, because, yeah. um, like, that's, potentially a really big move and maybe she thinks well Patrox never gonna uh, beat Sam here and plus Bucky will be there or I I don't know plus the double is because she's infiltrating him by hiring him into the flag smashers um in order to get that revenge for um, for the Flag Smashers taking the serum. But it's really nefarious. And whether you associate that with Sharon Carter is another thing. Or as you say then, it's, well, actually, she's aligned. It's all been a big kind of um, subterfuge in itself. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a really weird one for me. I'm literally there 50-50 again about whether she is the power mm-hmm. because of, yeah, so she gets Bartok out and I was like, okay. And then she sends it to Carly. And I'm like, okay, the power broker is literally threatening in the last episode was threatening to kill the, the flag smashers yeah. and Carly. So I, I just don't understand this part. Uh, is it that Sharon is a triple agent? Like kind of, we're going back to that. I think the, the MacGuffin is not going to work in this next episode in that. If they go, it was Sharon Carter all along, then we're all going to go, oh, okay, well, that didn't connect. You have to explain, you'll have to explain the logic on this one to us. Or they're going to go, she's not the fire broker all along. And they're going to say, this person, this random gentleman who you've never met before is the fire broker. And you're like, what? Oh, but that, that, mm, hmm. Unless the final piece is they've introduced the Countessa. Mm -hmm. And it turns out she's the power And that's entirely possible. Yeah. Absolutely. And if it is the first option, as you described, then it needs to be done to the Agatha Harkness theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> it was Sharon all along. Love it. Love it. I love that that had no connection to the theme tune as well, Chris, as usual. Thank you. Excellent. I, again, I don't want to get <laughs> I love that strike. new piece you've composed on the spot with your voice. <laughs> with those words from the TV show that had a theme <laughs> against it. Sorry, Chris. Um, but let's just quickly talk about Carly and, and the Flag Smashers because we do only really see them in two scenes in this episode. Um, just a reference to the fact that they went under underground and then they were actually under the ground and yeah. uh, hiding <laughs> yeah. at, at the at the, uh, the refugee camp, I guess uh, we'll call it. Um, but they're going up against the GRC who now are now trying to want to enact a new law called the Patch Act. And the Patch Act is to send all of what they're calling refugees back to their countries of origin. So um, completely going against the concepts of what Carly's been trying to achieve with the Flag yeah. Smashers. They've had effectively freedom of the world for those five years uh, during the the blip or during the, the or after the snap. Uh, they've had the freedom where everybody in the world was coming together without borders to help everybody else um, and create a new existence. And now this Patch Act will set 
the borders again completely and push everybody that's been able to move freely or get out of situations that were bad, push them back to their country of origins. Um, the one reason you know this is a bad idea is because the person who's making the initial speech is going, we don't even need a vote for this. All the good people will, will come along with us. All I, all I need to do is just send in the armies that I've got ready to go to push these people back. You're going, yeah, that's yep. a really, really bad idea. Yeah. Uh, the representative of the Philippines going, but you know, there's nobody there to, um, we don't have the, enough people in those refugee camps. And he's going, well, they can't stay where they are. So we're going to push them back to where they came from kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you know, this is a bad idea. Once again, aligning us almost with the flag smashers ideals. But not with their methods, because uh, we no. we see this as it closes out the episode. We see the security guards uh, in this meeting of the GRC uh, turn off the lights um, and take control of the room, effectively, uh, in preparation for, I guess, the arrival of Carly and the rest of the Flag Smashers. This yeah. activated group are all in the park who now have the weapons of Batroc uh, at their disposal. So um, I guess we're going to have uh, a standoff there in New York. Yeah. They went from underground to overground. Mm-hmm. One blink free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I w- I was going. Do you remember the the Godzilla? We're going deeper underground. <laughs> you uh, are you are a bit younger than us. I, I wambles yeah. uh, is what comes to my head. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love this. The Flag Smashers as a group, their ideals are going to be questionable right up until the end. Exactly. You're, as a viewer, you are going to go, yeah, but no, the the GRC is bad people, but also they're not. They're the UN. And not like they're they're you're gonna have this right up until the end, and you're gonna end up having Sam and you're gonna have Sam question the the the, the intent and the, the piece right yeah, up until the end. Absolutely, and remember, Sam has already said, "I I believe in what you're saying. I agree yeah. with what you're saying. I do not agree with your methods." And that's yeah. why you know this final standoff that I presume we're going into in the next episode. Sam has been made aware by Torres of the flag smashers being in New York, so uh, he knows that's where he's heading off to with his hopefully his new suit. Um, mm-hmm. That's it for the for the top five bullet points. I think, guys, yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Any notes from the episode? I just have one. Uh, Torres is in uh, the uh, control. He has been left the wings, the original Falcon wings. Uh Uh-huh, very important. uh, Walking Torres uh, by uh, Sam. Uh, I think at this point I can call out um, because it may, I think this is enough for me to actually say it. In the comic books, Mm -hmm. I won't say what happens to him, but in the comic books, Joaquin Torres does become the Falcon. He becomes the second Falcon to bear the name um, there are some more comic booky reasons why he becomes the Falcon, but when Sam is Captain America, he becomes Sam's Falcon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so I think in the future MCU they are setting up the possibility that Torres will don the wings and become the. Falcon. Oh, absolutely! Like you know, considering the the move over these five episodes in episode one, Sam wouldn't let Torres even touch these wings, which he has been maintaining himself. Doesn't allow anybody in the army to fix them because every time they try, they come back broke, even more broken than they were before. Effectively, yeah. uh, whereas here, after them being just ripped off, um, he goes, "Torres, yeah, you can keep those," and walks away with the shield. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely a setup for Torres in the future. Yeah, possibly just next episode we'll see Torres flying in uh, to to help out <laughs> uh, in this final battle. Yeah. Oh God, do you imagine that would be amazing? so cool? That would be pretty cool, actually. Um, yeah, the only note from me is the reference to Red Tails from Bradley uh, in, in this episode and the Squadron 332. 
um, in reference to um, the the Red Tails from World War II, um, where it was part of a, a program, an experimental program uh, f- for the first um, Black Air Corps mm-hmm. um, and uh, the use of uh, black cadets from the army into the Air Force to train them um, to become fighter pilots uh, during World War II. Uh, at, at the Tuskegee uh, Institute in Alabama, so also known as the uh, Tuskegee uh, Airmen as well, mm-hmm. uh, but just also how that discrimination uh, and racism, uh, both within the institutions uh, and just that racist belief that they didn't have the ability to be um, air pi- airmen pilots um, in fighter planes because yeah. of the color of their skin. And um, so, uh, yeah, a really interesting um sort of historical reference yeah. here coming from that conversation between sam and isaiah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah just so much so much good stuff in that in that scene uh, and that conversation really really interesting and yeah a good reference to uh, to the red tails as well so is that all from notes from everyone yeah yeah i think that's it excellent stuff and um, so on to the defense fellow podcast hosts Derek, do you defend Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth? Now, be truthful. I am absolutely being truthful when I say this is uh, one of my favorite episodes of the show. I think the writing in this episode, the direction in this episode, the acting in this episode is fantastic. Really, really good. Chris mentioned at the top of the show that uh, they put the brakes on and uh, slowed down for this episode. I'm so glad they did because this is what I want in a TV show. I don't want a TV show to be a five-hour movie where we get no story and just everybody punches each other and uh, there's bad guys and good guys and that's it. I want I want the grayness of the world to be explored when you have this time available to you. Um, I think it was this is so well done for this episode. I love, absolutely loved it. Uh, watched twice already and, and definitely going to be watching it again. Uh, it's going to be uh, really interesting to have those conversations out there in in the MCU. So really, really good. How about yourself, Chris? Do you defend Falcon the Witcher Soldier, Episode 5, Truth? 100%. They, they, uh, yeah, I, I said it. They slammed on the brakes. It was such an incredible... The writing, the direction, the, the choice of the the character arcs and how they would essentially close out. I will say it is still dependent on the finale, though. This finale happening is what they do. If there are some, like if if they've made some choices now and those choices are no longer the case in forty in fifty five minutes time. So if Sam. Does not take up the shield. Yeah, well, we'll have it's, a lot it's, of on our face it's all for naught. He doesn't yeah, exactly. absolutely. If the Wakandans have delivered him wings, um, yeah, then, yeah, and he's we're, just we're Falcon two point <laughs> Like I'm like, oh, then that's no point to it. So this will have been one of the top episodes as long as uh, dependent on the next episode. It's dependent on how we end the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. Um, so yeah, I completely defend it with a caveat. On that note, Jonas, do you defend this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I was about to say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Truth. Yes, I do defend this. I give this five CVADFs out of five. What's that one? It's Countessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Very good. <gasps> I, I just thought I would shorten this um, because I can't do the... <gasps> Each time I say it, um, 
because that joke is also wearing very, very thin. Yeah, mm-hmm. five uh, CVADFs out of five. Um, I, I love this. I thought it it, it absolutely uh, surprised me with just pulling back and really going intimate. Um, and yeah. I think the, the 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 character development, the motivations brought out uh, from this episode. For not only John Walker, but with the big symbolism of Captain America and that shield um, and uh, having Sam going back to Baltimore to, to, to see Bradley and, and talk to him, consider it talking with Bucky. It just felt really like that's what you would do, you know, mm. like in, in this, in the importance, the gravitas. And I, I guess in a bit of contrast, you know, we didn't see that with John Walker. We didn't know how he considered that role. You know, was it for um fame and glory uh, or, you know, all that kind of stuff? You just um, you just don't know. But it, it's it's a really complicated um, exposition, ultimately, of the the iconography and symbolism of America, which is really, really good. And um, I loved Sarah in this as well. Um, I thought. And the nephews, I thought they were absolutely great. Um, I loved how she had a little conversation with Sam. Uh, I think with Sharon Carter, it's just really intriguing to see what's going to come from that because she's, she's kind of been off screen for a lot of it, you know, other than when they went to Madripoor. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I, I feel there's something interesting that will come out yeah. uh, from that for sure. And, um, and the flag smashers, yeah, I guess are moving towards their, their chosen target of one world, one people mm-hmm. uh, by attacking the GRC. But again, a, a little bit of a firecracker thrown in there, uh, with, uh, Batroc, um, helping them out and, uh, that having Sharon Carter behind it to see what happens there. Uh, and of course, I, I just really love the reveal of Cantessa, Valentina, Allegro de Fontaine. Allegro. Oh, so damn it, I've got to start again. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it was really uh, just, it was just a nice um, introduction to a character coming from left field yep. uh, and delivered so well as well. So absolutely defend this episode of... Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Excellent. And a five out of five star. Yeah, another one. That's yeah. the last, this one and uh, the last episode. Excellent. Excellent. I know we all love that episode. Well, guys, since it's going to be at least a couple of months before we can go to a pub in the real world, unfortunately, yeah. in Ireland, still locked down till at least June, let's go to the pub of the podcast. John, do you want to give us our pub quiz question for the week? Yes, fellow quizzers. Question five from this episode what is the name of Sarah's fishing trawler that Sam and Bucky are repairing? Mm. That's the name on the side, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, so just a quick repeat of that. What is the name of Sarah's fishing trawler that Sam and Bucky are repairing? Uh, send in your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can send them in weekly or uh, after episode six. Send them all in at one go and we will be... Counting up the, the scores for, uh, our fellow quizzes who have answered to see who has come top of the quiz table. Um, and then of course we have our three Funko Pops, uh, of Baron Zemo, 
Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson uh, uh, to give to the person who has come top of that table uh, in the pub quiz. So keep those answers coming in, fellow defenders, fellow quizzers. Uh, Great to have your engagement on this. Excellent, yeah. Hopefully you'll be getting more and more entries in for our pub quiz uh, over the next couple of weeks. Do you know what else you can send it to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com, John? Feedback. You can, yes. And um, we did initiate this on our Invincible podcast, uh, yes, which came out yesterday, uh, an all-new feature for all of our podcasts coming forward, uh, the all-new Correction Corner. Uh, because, hey, we don't know everything. We've never said we did know everything. Uh, and if you want to correct us, if there's anything that we did get wrong... Uh, just email us to feedback at TV Podcast Industries, like Steve Brand did uh, on our last episode. Steve Brand says, I thought Walker had three medals of honor, not three purple hearts. The purple heart in the American army is given for wounded and bleeding soldiers. The medal of honor is the highest award in the US military and is for courage and valor in, com- in combat. And Walker received three of those in that one day event effectively so yes thanks very much for the correction steve um yes sometimes as uh, as being uh foreigners sometimes we do miss out on uh on the awards that come in the american army yeah i mean purple heart's the only one i know so right. i guess that's why i said it yeah <laughs> but yeah medal of honor um i only know purple rain i'm not gonna lie <laughs> we should know medal of honor from the uh from the computer game at the very least oh yeah it sounds from the old computer game you know that thing there now oh, <laughs> sorry chris oh, yeah. video game apologies there you go. yeah <laughs> yes thank you so much steve for the feedback and everyone else like send us these corrections and like as derek said we we sometimes make mistakes we are fallible like Many people. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, we got a voicemail in from Brandy uh, just after we recorded our episode four podcast last week. So let's have a listen to her thoughts on episode four. Hello, this is Brandy Anderson. And I have a thought about something that we're seeing happen in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm not sure if the writers are doing this intentionally or if it's the fact that they include so much political and racial issues that happen in real life that this pattern is just emerging organically within the storyline. But I notice we are seeing those who were blipped and those who were left behind being pitted against each other for resources. We know from Carly that when the return happened, they were displaced from their homes. And there's a belief that the GRC only cares about those who returned. But we also saw in episode one from Sam's point of view that there have been roadblocks put in place to intentionally keep those who return from getting the assistance they need as well. And this really just made me think about what we see here in the United States between poor black communities and poor white communities in which each community has been led to believe that the reason they're not getting the assistance, aids and opportunity that they need is because that focus has to go to those other communities. So while both of them continue to struggle, they fight each other instead of fighting the system that's keeping them in that spot. And I love that the show is showing this, whether it's intentional or not. Thanks so much, Brandy, for that. Uh, that's a really interesting point. Uh, and certainly the that 
I guess the playing off of one another of effectively, um, you know, working class or, or poorer, um, lower socioeconomic, uh, class, uh, people, uh, really, really interesting. And like, there's that famous, um, kind of cartoon, isn't it? Where there is kind of, you know, it, it could be a corporate fat cat or it could be sort of a politician where they have this huge place of cookies. Uh, and there's two other people around the table, um, and one of them has one cookie and one of them has none. And the guy with all the cookies essentially says, the reason why you don't have more cookies is because of the person with no cookies, um, not because of the fact I'm hoarding all the cookies. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's to that point, it's that playing off, and I guess... It, it feeds in as well to, I guess there's that, that granularity of politics, um, that you, um, are becoming, uh, smaller and smaller groups of people that are politically kind of active. Uh, and it, it's, it splits motivations. It splits, um, I guess, uh, ultimately from a political point of view, the power base. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember growing up, it was, ultimately trade unions and it was um i guess corporations you could argue those two um those two groupings that you know one represented workers Mm -hmm. and and one represented um uh effectively the 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 corporate uh objectives and none of them were perfect around dealing with with race or gender or other um items of discrimination but the power base was much broader more collective uh, where you had that that sort of helps with the the bargaining power i guess from a political point of view and which has been i you know actively eroded um through from sort of reagan thatcher uh era and, yeah. and progressively so so yeah it's really interesting themes and yeah just that finer detail a uh, great for pointing out the um the the point from episode one that you say were sam references were uh the grc uh you know is also trying to um make life difficult um for those that have returned from the blip as much as those that were left behind um after the blip uh, like we're seeing more uh now so yeah a really uh great spot there thanks brandy absolutely great feedback brandy thanks so much yes thank you so much brandy we also got some feedback for episode four from uh, victor sellers yes uh, he emailed us to say Hail Derek, John, Chris and fellow defenders. Wow, a lot to unpack in this episode. The opening scene in Wakanda was stunning. Zima was a hoot as usual. I hope he dons the mask again before the finale. I also hope he did not see the failsafe on Bucky's arm. <laughs> True. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, we didn't know that. Um, Victor goes on to say he was not surprised when John Walker took the serum. Zemo escapes. Lamar is killed. John Walker kills for the world to see. He was not surprised at all when it came to that. But he does think that Sharon Carter may actually be the power broker or working for him. Because that theory is really taking root. Victor went on to say, Carly is getting way too much intel far too quickly. How did she know about Sam's family? Perhaps the threats she receives from the power broker have hidden content. 
I thought Sam was making real progress with Carly until John Walker intruded. Why didn't Bucky or Lamar try and stop him? I am keen to hear Power Broker's reaction to the loss of the remaining serum vials. Carly is now in what we used to be called deep kimchi. <laughs> she not only has the GRC, Sam and Bucky and possibly the Power Broker to contend with, but now add a crazed murder super soldier Captain Mary to that list without Lamar to hold them back as well. I believe Zemo is not quite done with the Flag Smashers either, although he will have to evade the Wakandans in the process. Perhaps he can hide out with a fellow monarch, Dr. Doom, perhaps? <laughs> yes. I will be very surprised if Carly survives the next episode. As always, looking forward to your podcast, Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Excellent, Victor. Thanks so much for that. Carly did survive the episode, but she did only appear in it for a couple of moments. Yes. So maybe yeah. she won't survive the series, as, as Chris was saying earlier on. Uh, yeah, would love if this was the way that uh, that they introduced Doctor Doom as uh, as the Good Baron went off to visit Doctor Doom. But again, he's not free now. He's off to uh, he's off to the raft. Nope. So yeah, and I guess Zemo, you know, is not quite done with the flag smashers, but unfortunately, it's with a few words rather than any action as he's sent off to to the raft yeah. and i'm wondering if the carly intel is that connection to sharon uh, that we discussed about in this episode yeah, ultimately actually. if sharon is the power broker or if sharon is the power broker and is it actually aligned with the flag smashers yeah um i guess we will see uh, in, in episode six in the final episode absolutely thanks so much victor <laughs> yeah thanks victor uh, we also got an email in on episode five from jerry he says love listening to the pod Love this episode. Lots of emotion and think pieces about race and what it means to be a citizen of the world. Of course, America does not punish John Walker with jail time. The introduction of Val, played by the wonderful Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Val, a.k.a. Madame Hydra in the comics. Mm, not exactly, uh, says I, but uh, but thanks, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> he continues with, Sharon Carter works for the power broker, but to what end? Zemo's in jail, but for how long? John Walker has lost his freaking mind. Building his own shield in the end credits was outstanding. Wyatt Russell is killing it on this show as this unhinged, delusioned person. One final thought. Does John Walker survive by the end of the show? Jerry, I'm saying no. Um, I'm thinking that he's not getting out of it. Chris, I think you're saying yes, he is getting out yes. of it. John, and I'm saying that? both yes and no in that I just don't know. And I'm quite happy to see how the show takes it. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly, Jerry, um, yeah, I am totally with you uh, with the introduction of Val. And I feel your pain. I screamed Madam Hydra as well. And then Derek immediately gave me a one-hour lesson on the Countessa. It was like being back in school. I I've have, got exams next week. I have fact. all the comics right here. If you would like that, you can support us on Patreon for any amount over 50 quid a month, and uh, I may uh, deliver that in video format uh, directly yeah. to your home. <laughs> and I definitely think as well, uh, Jerry, disillusioned is absolutely um, the verb that we need to use for... Uh, John Walker. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, huge compliments to Wyatt Russell for his performance on the show. It's, it's, it's hard to, uh, to play the character hated, but, uh, but really like him on the show. We have another email in from Chloe. Chloe says, hello. Yes. Captain used to be America is not Cap anymore. Yay. <laughs> but it is interesting how John Walker would lie to his best friend's family about who killed him because isn't a true friend honest? Plus the show is called Truth. 
I think. Mm -hmm. It's also weird how the strange lady at the place they told John Walker he isn't Cap anymore started saying how what he did was right and how he should still be Captain America. Interesting how they talk about racism, because they don't really talk about it in shows and movies. Also, I think Sam is going to become the new Captain America, which is good, because I think kids like me should see more heroes who are a different colour, because they there aren't that many. Mm -hmm. I also think Sharon is the power broker, because I think she called the guy who met up with Carly. Sharon knows Sam, and he also said he just wants to kill Falcon. Mm -hmm. I also watched a few minutes of one of Zemo dancing, which was funny, and hopefully we get some other bad guys doing weird dances. (laughs) Also, I found this confusing, because everyone is saying Steve Rogers is gone, but... The last time I saw him, he was an old guy in this timeline, but they say he's gone. I'm wondering if he is still here, why can't they hang out with him? Or is it just because they're thinking, sorry Steve, you're an old man now, and hanging out with old men just isn't cool? (laughs) But I know they would never think that. Mm -hmm. Thanks for reading this super long email, just one more episode to go from Chloe. Thanks so much, Chloe. Um, Yeah, it's interesting around... Carly, Sharon, and um, uh, Batroc, the French guy, because he is focused on Falcon, and we mm-hmm. know that Batroc will have that focus. Is Sharon setting him up because she knows he'll be defeated, or is there a a, a more evil slant coming from Sharon? Um, and I guess it links to everything about, is she the power broker? Is she not the power broker? Is she connected with Flag Smashers? Is she not? And that connection with Carly. So uh, really interesting to see uh, how that plays out for sure. Absolutely. As for that question on Steve, this is a bit complicated. So I'm trying to make sure I've got this right. So when Steve went back in time and stayed with Peggy, that's supposed to be a different timeline where they spent all of their lives together. And then he comes back into our timeline and hands over his original shield to Sam and then goes back to his own timeline with Peggy, effectively. That's what we think happened at the end of Endgame. So the reason they don't go and hang out with him is because he actually isn't here in our world. He's still living in the other world where he spent his time but with we Peggy, haven't, we think. Yeah, we because think. we haven't seen him get back into the machine to teleport back. But yeah. it would be pretty bad of him if he just left Peggy uh, hanging. Although... In the timeline of Marvel, Peggy had died a few years ago, right? So, um, so that could still have happened in his timeline as well. We don't, we don't know is, is really the answer, but we do know Bucky would never have that about Steve. We know Bucky loves Steve to bits. He would absolutely pop over to his house yeah. if he was there. And he's already admitted he's 106 years old himself. So he's an old guy too, right? They're all old. Yeah, but Steve now looks old. <laughs> Bucky doesn't. That wouldn't deter Bucky from going to visit him though. No. That is the no, difference. No, no, no. Yes, thank you so much, Chloe. We love having your feedback, and it wasn't a long email. Don't worry. We have one final email from Victor for episode five, where he went, Hail Derek, John, and Chris, and fellow defenders. This was, for me, a very dramatic but necessary episode. The first fight scene was very strong. I'm starting to feel a bit sorry for John Walker, but he's still an a-hole. Julia Louise Dreyfus, Madame Hydra appearance was curious what was she doing on Capitol Hill? I think it's just shorter now to type Madame Hydra rather than her actual name. I think that's why, why it's Definitely. being used here. Yes, maybe. That's maybe it. Maybe. Could she be working with Sharon? 
I'm the power broker? Mm-hmm. Could she be the power broker? Sam's chat with Isaiah Bradley was very moving. Bucky helping Sam and the others to repair the boat seems like a metaphor for people working together to fix the world. Sam and Bucky's tough lug segment was very moving. Sharon hiring Batroc to help Carly. It's a bit confusing. Is this a plan to escalate conflict with the GRC or wipe them out with along with Bucky and Sam? Mm. What is in the case from Wakanda? Wings? Capsuit or both? As always, looking forward to your podcast. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Yeah, I think the big thing here, and thank you for that, Victor. Um, the main big thing I think they just need to explain. First thing is Sharon. Like, yeah. they just made that so confusing that she basically is hiring and working with the Flag Smashers. So. Hiring a worker with Batrock, who's delivering weapons to the Flag Smashers. Yeah, it's so confusing. I'm working, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to kill her friend who is Sam. Yeah, exactly. She is friends with Sam. Absolutely. Thanks so much for that, Victor. I'm saying uh, wing capsuit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm saying both. Absolutely. Let's get on to some feedback over on Facebook. First up, Dave Horrock says, What an opening. Can there be a more lethal weapon scene than Sam and Bucky having a beer in a boat and bonding? <laughs> no, that seems a very, very lethal weapon. <laughs> Richard Blaze says, Wow, though this was a typical penultimate episode, setting the good guys on the righteous path whilst having the bad guys put in motion their final plans, it felt like so much more. The characters, the action when it happened, the emotion and the glorious cinematography were all next level with this episode. I do think some people will find this more difficult to get into than the family-friendly WandaVision, and some may switch off due to its heavy tones at times, but for me, this has been close to perfect, and I really hope hope we get to revisit these themes and characters again in the future absolutely richard totally agree with you uh, it's been really really good i do think this is a completely different show from one division of course uh, yes. the, this does feel much heavier uh, and, and much uh, much different in its themes than uh, than one division which is great this is the reason why uh, having all of these disney shows exploring different themes is, is really enjoyable yeah absolutely and like yourself richard definitely uh, felt that even though this kind of yeah, pulled back and felt like a penultimate episode. It was so much more, uh, with, um, you know, just that exploration between Sam, Isaiah, um, Bucky, uh, but also with what was going on elsewhere with, um, John Walker mm-hmm. uh, as well. And of course, Dave, the, yes, the lethal weapon bro, uh, brohood, um, I guess was, great yeah um really good uh so thanks so much heather wallace says this episode had it all an edge of the seat fight scene as an opener sam and bucky bonding bucky flirting with sarah the dora millage zemo not dead julia lewis dreyfus uh being awesome and mysterious isaiah bradley's heartbreaking story mm-hmm. a boat fixing montage and a training montage it was packed full mm-hmm. and in the midst you had sharon being suspicious carly escalating while her australian sidekick is growing more reluctant and walker being a lying liar who lies <laughs> and somehow i don't think his new arts and crafts hobby is going to go well exactly he does like the old bling uh does john Moore Walker. Finally, I bet the gear from Wakanda is not Sam's wings repaired, but a vibranium capsuit. Mm-hmm. 
Anthony Mackie was phenomenal in this episode, from the anguish on his face as he cleaned blood off Steve's shield to his compassion for Bradley and his advice to Bucky to do the work to make amends. My only quibble is that he did that annoying film thing of making a call to his sister without saying hello, making a dramatic statement, and then hanging up without saying goodbye. (laughs) Who does that in real life? Thanks so much, Heather. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, Phone calls are weird on film, uh, for sure. Go visit our Facebook group for a very long discussion that's going on between a couple of people who don't say hello or goodbye on phone calls. uh, Oh, really? Yes. It is apparently not just a movie thing. It may just, it may be an American thing. It's certainly not a thing. Uh, John's family, I think John spends about 25 minutes on his hour long phone calls saying goodbye. I'm absolutely the opposite. (laughs) Um, we have very, very long goodbyes. Mm -hmm. I guess that's partly because as well, we're in separate countries yeah and um, but uh for sure um totally agree and um, not saying hello and goodbye at certainly to your sister i guess sibling relationships can be complicated so not always mm-hmm. uh would you want to say hello or goodbye but or it's a indeed real movie pick trope, up the so. phone yeah. i guess yeah um so <laughs> and i think on anthony mackie's performance yeah i i agree that that anguish on his face as you say that was the one i just thought was so good and then in uh bradley's home uh and that he was just so good plus you know anthony mackie does side eye like the best people i mean his response is his his glaring stare as bucky is flirting uh with his sister and vice versa was just um really really good absolutely thanks so much for that heather Yes, thank you so much, Heather. And no, to be truthful, most of the conversations should be, can you hear me? What about now? <laughs> uh, I'm right beside the boat. I've got bad coverage. Can, how can you hear me now? <laughs> anyway, moving on to some other feedback. We got feedback from Ray Felix. He said, I've worked in the criminal justice system. Technically, the shield is a murder weapon mm-hmm. and would be considered evidence to a crime. Sam and Bucky taking the shield would be considered a crime, tampering with and stealing evidence. Removing the blood from the shield is evidence tampering as well. Also, the court trial would have taken months and not days. Mm -hmm. Great episode, despite the fast-tracking of legal evidence. Yes, true. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there is two arms to the criminal justice system. One of them is law and order. The other is just evidence just being kind of wiped away and just everything going that wasn't supposed to be a joke on law and order but that just went really badly there you (laughs) go ray went on to say one last point with isaiah and his 30 years of imprisonment and experimentation that means that shield slash hydra howard stark and later dr bruce banner were all in on it together trying to figure out the super soldier serum and use the black man for experimentation Marvel and Disney's just declared the universe as a pseudo-Nazi white supremacist group. Ouch. Mm. Hmm. So, I, I think this is going to be the thing. Like, the whole Isaiah, they're discussing some very tough topics. And, like, truth in the comic books is that. It is a tough comic book. It discusses some tough discussions. Um, and I think what they'll do on this, this is this will be a multifaceted thing about the MCU going forward. It's going to be darker and deeper than we've ever seen before. The whole thing about it is no one really knew about Isaiah. Howard Stark didn't know about Isaiah Bradley because it was post. Um, and like Bruce Banner, like 
he wouldn't have known what he was working on. So it's going yeah. to be that a lot of them didn't know like Isaiah existed and where it was coming from. So the path like, of the MCU is that everybody's trying to replicate the serum that Steve Rogers got. Yes. And many people have done different ways. So uh, in the show here, what we're seeing is the American government tried to replicate it using black soldiers that they experimented on. It's not necessarily the same as Hydra experimenting on the Winter Soldier or creating their own super soldiers or even... um what was the scientist's name uh, in this show that, that worked for the Nagel working for the power broker? That's another strand of somebody else trying to replicate the serum yeah. for, uh, for super soldiers. So I'd say probably Marvel Disney were have a, have an out there. They have a group of people who's done something really, really bad here. And hopefully we'll get their comeuppance, uh, in the next episode, uh, by their experimentation trying to achieve the super soldier. But I don't think we yeah. can tie everybody that's ever worked with the super soldier serum into this experimentation. I don't think that's the way they're going to go in the show. I'd say it's, they're going to deal with it as, def- as separate streams. I suppose. Yeah. Cause it's a little yeah. unclear. I know on the podcast as well, we've kind of said that it was Hydra experimenting on Isaiah Bradley. But it equally, I guess, and I think is probably more the point that it was the American military again. Yes. But yeah, it's it's difficult to know because I, I guess we haven't had that detail. But um, certainly um, there are elements here of um, just pure horrificness Absolutely. around experimentation uh, on people, um, which is, yeah, it's pretty grim. Absolutely. Thanks so much for that really interesting feedback, Ray. Dan Lee says, one punch from Bucky and Walker's new shield is going to fold faster than Superman on laundry day. <laughs> Love it, Absolutely. Dan. Absolutely. You can imagine the glitter flying everywhere when that shield breaks apart. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just seeing him sitting at home in a chair, just rocking back and forth, <laughs> holding his shield in his hand. Uh, that's not actually meant for fighting. This is just, I've, I've lost my mind. Yeah, it's just a wall display. Exactly. Maybe, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Michael Boot says, oh, wow, this was brilliant. I know it was a second last episode set up, but it covered so much so, so well. That chat between Sam and Isaiah was chilling and the raw emotion in both actors was stunning. I can only imagine what that scene felt like for an African-American viewer, but I certainly felt it. The second half of the episode was just fun. Bucky and Sam had great chemistry, as did Bucky and Sarah, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. play was great to watch. Though did anyone else find it weird that Sam seemed competent when playing Frisbee with Bucky, but then didn't do so well at the start of the montage? Yeah. Mixing his Falcon moves with the S.H.I.E.L.D. throwing will make for a different Cap fighting style, more agile than the Steve Rogers battering ram. Can't wait till next week, especially looking forward to this new suit coming up. I know what you mean, Michael, but I do think it is simply that it is that, that he's tossing the shield back and forth between himself and Bucky, whereas he's actually attempting to use his moves with the shield when he's training himself. I think that's the reason why the two look very different. It's not that he's yeah. not competent. They're just showing him trying to, trying to get moves down. You know, it's the montage thing. You see him doing the multiple backflips trying to catch the shield and it gets better and better as the montage goes on. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. yeah I think Captain America with wings would be awesome. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. We had feedback from Lisa Richardson who said it was so much fun seeing Sam and Bucky relaxing after the events of the first four episodes and the fight with John Walker. The little boys playing with the shield was the perfect cleansing after the horrors in Latvia. Also, I can't blame Adepero Adoya for blushing madly with Sebastian Stan turns on that charm. Mm -hmm. He's lethal. Yep. Yep. 
He certainly is. Yeah, I would be blushing exactly like her yeah. as well. As a straight man, even I went off. Yeah, my, I had to sit down. I, I went weak at the knees, um, <laughs> for, for sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think, yeah, the, the two nephews, it, they were really nice touches in this yeah. episode yes. for me. Um, thought it was so good seeing them playing with the shield and then sort of watching Sam doing his training. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it felt, really it felt just really natural. Yeah. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier on, just on a pair Adoya as Sarah, I think she has such natural chemistry with Anthony Mackie. This, this really does feel like brother and sister there uh, as they're chatting uh, beside the boat. I think it's, it's really good fun. And, and they have been all the way throughout the season. So, uh, thanks so much for that, Lisa. Uh, Algiero says, what a fabulous episode. The fight scene with Bucky, Sam and Walker was really hard to watch in its brutality, but really well done. I also appreciated the scene with Isaiah. That was hard to watch in a different way. How Isaiah was used and then essentially erased made me very emotional. Glad to see Julie Louis-Dreyfus as a surprise bright spot for her. Loving this show and the comradeship between Sam and Bucky. Thanks, Angie. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yes, thank you so much, Angie. Yeah, great stuff, Angie. Um, yeah, it was so emotional, that stuff with yeah. Isaiah and, and Sam. Like, the way the two connected uh, were were just so, so good. Um, and, yeah, it was it was hard to watch. So thanks again. Yeah, Donald Dennis says, I haven't watched it yet, but I have a question. I'll check for the answer once I get this viewed. Doesn't it strike anyone as being particularly two-faced that a... Baron is claiming that the super soldier serum will give people a superiority complex. Mm -hmm. That is practically the definition of a noble class. They think that because of their station, they are superior to the non-nobles. It is certainly the thing that allows him to manipulate people so easily. Maybe if they showed his family a state really doing something to help the people displaced, I'd be less concerned by this. I still like this manifestation of Zemo mm -hmm. and the show as a whole, but it feels incongruous. Thanks, Donald, for that. I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, it's interesting because I think with Zemo, I really like, as you suggested, the manifestation of Zemo. I think it really connects nicely to Civil War and, and how he was played there. I, I guess it's almost needing to see more we've only really gotten that glimpse of him being by the statue in sokovia and the memorial to what happened and i guess we haven't gone behind the scenes of zemo in the same way as say we did for uh sam wilson in this series so far seeing you know his nephews his sister uh, the, the family business so it, yeah I, I i absolutely see what you're saying uh be uh, interesting to uh, understand him, you know, in his homeland of Sokovia, yeah. um, and and how he is is treating um, the the Sokovians. Yeah, with him off on the raft now. Though it might be season two before we get any more details about uh, about. Yeah, Zeno. thanks so much for that, Donald. Yes, thank you so much, Donald. Yeah. We also got feedback from Salim Kisler, who said, Definitely a setup episode taking a breath from the last two action-packed installments and really resetting the board for next week. Great character stuff with Sam and Bucky. Can't wait to see Sam's new suit. What is Sharon up to with Batrock? Or is it more misdirection? Is Julia Dreyfus the power broker? Yep, these are all the questions we have with 
45 to 55 minutes left to answer it. Yeah, I do wonder if there's anything in John's theory about a connection between the Contessa and the Baron, you know, considering she has purple through her hair and he wears the purple hood, you know, I, I wonder if there's if there's something in that. And, you know, Contessas and Barons, there is a possibly a connection there as well. Could she be Mammy Zemo? Maybe. I don't think uh, Julia Redrides is that old uh, <laughs> to be uh, the fa- the mother of, uh, of Daniel Brühl. I'm not too sure about that, really. Uh, thanks so much, Salim. Derek, Mr. Ryder says, the whole damn episode all I kept asking what's in the box yeah, these writers absolutely. find a way to make the villain so three dimensional one minute you hate Walker next minute you're like well he did follow instructions and they did build him and then you hate him when you see him talking to Lamar's family and you sort of understand why he kind of lost it great episode I think Bucky won't be in the finale just a hunch and P.S. I think Water has Walker has found his signature move decapitation <laughs> yeah, via absolutely. shield yeah I thought that was a bit odd as well David thanks for that yeah thanks so much David uh, Ronaldo says love this episode again how scary is John Walker all the skill and with the serum he made Sam and Bucky look like amateurs the big takeaway is seeing the Contessa. I'm sure Derek is over the moon, mm-hmm. gearing up literally for final showdown. And I got goosebumps towards the end. Sam is heading towards the mantle. I'm just so grateful that we fans get to actually see this happen in the cinematic universe. The finale will be something to behold. Also, I'm waiting with great anticipation for the reveal of US Agent. I'm glad he's not going away. Hopefully Walker will be integral to the future phases of the MCU. Yeah, thanks so much, Ray. I I agree. I really want to see Walker um, (laughs) in future phases. I love, um, as I say, I I think this episode really get gave some depth to this character um, and and really just messed with, you know, different emotions around him. And um, certainly... Uh, the reveal of US agent maybe a little closer with his pimped out shield uh, being uh, put out there. Yeah. Um, I love his home crafts. Um, I think it's, it's really good. Yeah, right. I know you're looking to see uh, Walker integral to the future phases of MCU over here on TV podcast industries. We have yes, no, maybe uh, amongst our, yeah. amongst our team. <laughs> Thanks so much for that, Ray. Yes. Thank you so much, Ray. We have some feedback from Sandy Resendez who said it was a great episode all around. I hated Walker so much, but now I feel a little bad for him. Love them building on Sam and Bucky's relationship. We needed that, I think, since they truly were just two guys with a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. We now have confirmation that Bucky knew what Steve was going to do at the end of Endgame. I always suspected it because of that nod and Bucky saying he'd miss him. I also love that Bucky apologized to Sam for him and Steve not realizing what it meant to give a black man a shield. Chills. Lastly, we know we are going to see Zemo again in the MCU with him being at the raft and Ross in that charge of that. Oh, yes. Thunderbolt Ross is in charge of the raft, of course. What does that usually yeah. connect to, Chris? The Thunderbolts! It's happening! Yeah. A group of villains 100%. that are owned by the government uh, going out and fighting bad guys, or some good guys, or some okay guys. Sounds a little bit like uh, Marvel's Suicide Squad, of it course. certainly does. Because the comic origin is basically Marvel's Suicide Squad. <laughs> but uh, but yes, the Thunderbolts is uh, is their version of an army of villains uh, led by Thunderbolt Ross. So uh, yeah, really interesting if we see that in the future. 
Very, but I have no idea what you mean. Comic books copying each other? Marvel and DC copying each other? Never going to happen. Never happens. And then, no. and then independent copies, comic books taking all their ideas and showing you why they're why they're copying each other and ripping them off? That never happens either. No, <laughs> never, never, never. Thanks so much for your feedback, Sandy. Uh, over on Twitter, Matt Murdock at Musical Concepts says, Hats off to Wyatt Russell. Walker is a jerk, but I appreciate what kind of acting doing that takes got some lethal weapon buddy cop stuff this episode inevitable i guess and was actually enjoyable the final investment for the big finish good to see sam still counseling yep really good matt yep, totally yeah yeah nice that. point about the counseling uh with bucky yeah yeah that's really good and i again yes you're right hats off to white russell um shame that he's getting death threats yeah the good thing about white russell i love uh he has been laughing about that he's like I just didn't go on the internet. Uh, I don't have an internet account. My parents were very famous, so I understand that I don't need to be on uh, on social media. So he hears about it from uh, news stories about him getting death threats. But it's just idiots on the internet, you know. You can you can yep. hopefully ignore them if you if you can't see them. Like you know, they're just shouting at clouds. Basically, he's not really getting death threats. It's just people going, "I don't want him to be my Captain America." Guess what? That's the story of the show. He's not your <laughs> Captain America. Okay. Uh, anyway. Sam is. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much, Matt. We'll have to see. It's all coming down to this. One final episode and one final piece of feedback. This time, a voicemail from the one and only Steve Brown. Hello, John, Derek, and Chris. This is Steve again, and this is for Falcon and Winter Soldier, The Truth. I just finished watching it for the first time, and again, I had just, I'm just blown away by how good this show is. And uh, even with all the talky talk uh, in this one, we got. But uh, I loved it. Um, that ending, I'm not sure. I, I guess I know John Walker is a character from the comics, so maybe there's something with what he's doing that's the comic book version of John Walker. So maybe we'll we'll find that out next week. Um, I hate that they wouldn't show us what's in the box. Um, I mean, I can speculate, and but I'm not going to speculate here. I'm going to speculate on my podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I loved I loved every minute of it. It was really great. That fight at the beginning, man. Uh, between the three of them was, was really incredible. And, and, uh, just, and then that training montage of, of showing Sam kind of learning how, I guess when he and Bucky were throwing it, they were just kind of casually throwing it and they were throwing it kind of slower. Was that what we were supposed to get that in his training montage when he would like miss it and it would fly past him and stuff that it was because he was throwing it faster and trying to be, you know, he's trying to do his acrobatic moves and stuff. So. Yeah, uh, again, I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it, and I can't wait to talk about it uh, with Mark. All right, uh, talk to you later. Excellent. Thanks, Steve. We'll hear your, your speculation over on Panels to Pixels. I think that episode usually comes out on Wednesdays or Thursdays, so their podcast about Falcon the Witch Soldier has been uh, really fun listening along with that as well. Uh, yeah, that was my speculation about about why the, the uh, shield wasn't going the same way for Sam on his own as it was with Bucky, because he's kind of just bouncing it back and forth between the two of them, kind of like kicking a ball around as opposed to really training uh, in your, if you're a soccer player, maybe. Yeah, and absolutely um, agree with you, Steve. What's in the box? Um, <laughs> is it wings with some buffalo sauce or is it a shield or is it both 
Or is it Pepper Potts? Oh dear, let's hope not. Let's hope not. <laughs> Thanks so much once again to everybody who's been sending your feedback for Falcon the Winter Soldier. Just one more episode to go to get your feedback in on the final episode of Falcon of the Witch Soldier, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts you have. But what we'd love you to do is join us over in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Put a spoiler post up there every week where you can come in immediately and pop in your thoughts about the episode, as a lot of our defenders have been doing over the last couple of weeks. Um, We'd also love you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Just subscribe to it over at tvpodcastindustries.com. Lots of options there uh, for places to subscribe. And if you're subscribing and you have the ability to leave a review or to rate us, please do so. We'd love to hear uh, your thoughts about the podcast. Yes. And if you like what we do, you like listening to our crazy discussions, why not head on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries where you can support us for any amount, a dollar, couple of dollars, five dollar, three fella, who whatever dollar you want. Or $50 a month, and you can get my thoughts on Contessa uh, Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine. Yeah, C-V-A-D-F. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, you can do that. Or you can, if you really want to, just help Derek and keep him in caffeine as he edits all these momentous podcasts, you can go on to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can buy him a coffee. Mm -hmm. There you go. Simple as that. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with the final episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 6, which will be available on the 23rd of April. Thank you so much for joining us. See you then. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Defenders, for joining us. As always, a pleasure chit-chatting with you about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep montaging. (laughs) Always have to have a montage. Bye. 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 A lot of people stand to lose, to lose, but I'm gonna tell you what to do.